as I was sitting down with, with the Lord this yesterday and um, actually it was Friday, might have been, but um, just sitting there with him and, and he started to really just get perspective that it's really, really important that no matter whether you're on a high, whether you're on a low or it's just been one of those weeks, you know, just an average week, that you really have to have the Word of God in first place. That you have to go, it doesn't matter whether I'm high, it doesn't matter whether I'm low, it doesn't matter what the facts are in front of you, the truth is God's Word. The truth is God's Word. And the facts have to come in line with the truth. And that's, that's tough sometimes when it's going really bad. It's really easy to get upset with God, it's really easy to sort of go... You know, where were you, God, in that? But the reality is we have to just push into God and go, you know what? His word is true and the facts have to come in line with the word of God. Now, the problem is we live in an instant society. We think it should happen like that. But the thing is that when you speak the word of God, the angels go and they start to bring about the word of God. And it says that they minister towards us who inherit salvation. That they minister for us. And they take time to make things happen. Yeah? They have to realign things. And we have to give them time. It's not like, you know, God sticks it in the microwave and zaps it. See, this is actually what faith is. Faith is the substance of what you're hoping for, the evidence of what? Things not seen. If you can see it, it doesn't take faith, does it? You know, I believe that God's going to provide me with a white stool. Oh, look, I've got one. That's not faith because I've already got it. There's no faith required that I will have a white stool sitting right here because I've already got it. Faith is Believing for what is not yet seen and yet knowing that God is true and it's going to come about. Yeah? Does that make sense? I'm about to hit preaching mode. I don't know if the kids want to go out or stay in. Hey, we'll have communion at the end. Is that all right? All right. If you have your Bibles, open up to Mark. We're going to do some good basic teaching here, yeah? And I don't say this, I don't say this lightly, I don't say this because everything's going well. If you haven't heard yet, I lost my job this week, all right? Four weeks in. If you want to know why, I have no idea why. I simply was told it was time to leave the office. My suspicion is that they ran out of money because they cut about three programs within an hour of me leaving, so, you know. So I'm not talking out of, oh, yeah, things have been an awesome week, all right? That's rather challenging. What I'm talking at is this is the time we have to stand up and go, no, God's word is true. And it's actually, if things are going well, now is when you put the word of God in. Because you know how life works. You know, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to keep trying to do that until Jesus comes again, right? Excuse me. So I would encourage you, if things are going well, you go, that doesn't apply to me. No, what you do right now is you put this stuff in. 
Because I could stand up on Wednesday afternoon and go, it's okay. Because I put the stuff in while it was going well. I can sit here and go, it's okay, this is truth. Because I put the stuff in when it was going well. All right? Because that's when you draw back on it. You see, I love this. Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing, not by heard. And that's really important. It comes by hearing. You have to keep putting faith in. Because it comes by hearing, not by what you've heard previously. Because the thing about faith is we leak. All right? We leak. You know, have you ever put water in the sink and you're doing the dishes? And it, I mean, remember we did the kitchen renovations, brand new sink, right? Water's in there, washing dishes and so on. And, and then I was talking to, I think we're done, I was talking and someone was here and we're talking for about 20 minutes. And I came back and the water level had gone down. Now thinking, this is a brand new sink. It shouldn't leak at all, right? But it will. All right, there's just probably just that smallest, slightest bit where it just drains down a little bit. Not that everyone really notice if you did the dishes in a timely manner. But it leaks a little bit. We're the same. We're brand new in Christ, but we still leak, right? And you've got to remember that faith comes by hearing. I remember being in a church and, and we were preaching on, on, I think we were preaching on healing or something, and this guy said to me, oh, yeah, I've seen it all before. I've heard it before. I thought, wow. I was a bit shocked. Because my first thought was, well, then why aren't you doing it? And secondly, faith comes by hearing. We leak. I mean, even me, I have to keep, I mean, I've written a book on healing. I've seen God do amazing healing. But I find I've got to keep feeding myself on healing. That if I don't and sickness comes, I don't have what it takes to overcome that. But I've also found that the principle that I know brings healing actually deals with every other area of our life. It's the same principle in finances. It's the same principle in relationships. It's the same principle in every area that you have to be putting the stuff in for it to come out. You have to keep building faith. And like any time you miss being with us in a gathering, you've actually got less faith. That was a revelation to me when I realised that. That when we aren't together and we aren't hearing the word of God in community, we actually are reducing our faith level. That's why people go cold. Because faith comes by hearing. So let me deal with first off for those who had loss. The Bible tells us that if someone steals from you under the law, they have to replace sevenfold and give all their furniture. Did you know that? So if you had something stolen from you this week, or ever, something go missing, the devil has to pay you back seven times as much and give you some furniture. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> so I'm going for new lounges because we need some new lounges. Yeah. 
So if you're feeling lost, you can get the devil and go, oh, you owe, you owe. But let me talk to you about faith. Let me tell you how, how you deal with a situation where it's all going bad, how you deal with moving forward. Because, you know, we should always, the Bible tells us to go from faith to faith. And it's really easy sometimes when you get the breakthrough and something good happen to actually sit back and go, ah, it's good, I've got that. And stop pushing in your faith in that area. No, no. When you achieve something, you get the next thing and you go for that. So you're going higher and higher and further and further. All right? We should always be growing in faith and going up to a new level, a new level. Because we're told to go from faith to faith. Because if you don't, you go backwards. That's how faith works. If you don't move forward, you're moving backwards. There's no staying the same. You, know, you don't flow with inflation. Because even if you flow with inflation, you go backwards. you know that? Because things around you, inflation is a, an average of what's happening around. Which means there are other things going forward faster and some things are going forward slower. And they average it out. So if you're only going the average, the thing's going faster, you're behind the eight ball in those areas. So like it was like housing prices went up dramatically, right? But wages didn't. Inflation would be affected. It wouldn't go as high as the house price would. Does that make sense? So if you average those two out, you'd be behind the eight ball. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? So you need to be going... Ahead of the curve. It's the same in faith, all right? Things are always moving forward. You see, the great thing is that heaven is pushing into earth. We're getting closer to Jesus coming again. There's a time when Jesus is going to come again. We all get, you know, the devil gets thrown into hell. He doesn't own hell. Get that right, all right? You know, we had the cartoon of him standing there with his pitchfork. At the gate of hell, you know, check that person in. That is not how it works. He doesn't own hell. Hell was made for the devil. It was made for the demons. It's their punishment for all eternity. His aim is to take as many people down there with him as he can. All right? He is not the master of hell. God is. And think about it. If God is everywhere, that means that he can be in hell too. But that's a whole other sermon. Let's not go there. <laughs> but he's not there in bondage. He's there in victory. But that is another sermon. The devil came to steal, kill, destroy. And as heaven, and we get closer to Jesus coming again, heaven is pushing into earth. And you see, the devil took that area in between heaven and earth. That's where he operates. Because he's trying to block our access to heaven. And as heaven and earth come closer, we get closer to the second coming, the pressure of that puts pressure on the devil and he is pushing and pushing and pushing even more to take more people with him. And our job is to push back, back, back even more. Yeah? So let's push. How do you push? You push by faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, let me read to you from Mark 11. 
I want to talk about what you pray. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, this is Jesus saying, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, what is the limit on that? But doesn't whatever exclude something? He says whatever. Now, you've got a common sense here. It has to be in line with the word of God. You, know, you can't go and ask for somebody else's husband or wife. He says, don't cover what your neighbour has. Right? But you don't have to. Because if you can ask whatever, you can ask for your own husband or wife. You don't have to covet your neighbour's car. You can ask for your own. You don't have to covet your neighbour's house. You can ask for your own. Yeah? There's no limit on the whatever. He says, whatever you ask, when you pray, believe. Believe that you will receive and you shall have it. All right? You can ask for anything in God and believe for it and you'll receive it. So what happens when you don't? I want to go to the previous verse. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be moved and thrown in the sea, and does not doubt where? In his heart. This is where we get faith wrong, because we listen to our head. You know, your head has nothing to do with faith. Your head has nothing to do with faith. I love Joyce Meyer's book, Battlefield of the Mind, because that's the battlefield. You don't believe with your head, you believe with your heart. Jesus said anyone who believes in his heart will be saved. Yeah? Not believes with your head. Because your head will tell you different things. Have you ever been walking down the road and feeling absolutely great and thinking great thoughts and thinking anything's possible with God? And then someone steals your wallet. What's your head thinking now? Man, this day really stinks. This was a good day. Now it stinks. It's a horrible day. You know? Gee, can God really take care of that? Then a car goes past on a rainy day and splashes you with, all over with water. You trip over and fall in the mud. What's your head telling you now? Some guy screams at you because you got in the way. Suddenly your head is going, man, this day really stinks, man, this is really bad, you know, jeez. And you start to think, can God do it, yeah? I was bleeding for a car, here I am walking to work in the rain, covered in mud. And you start to question, can God do it? That's what your mind does, because your mind is the battlefield. The devil will come and put thoughts into your mind. That's what temptation is. Thoughts in your mind. 
But you don't believe with your mind, you believe with your heart. And you have to learn to tell your mind to shut up. I can remember being in a meeting and the Lord spoke to me and he says, I want you to call out everybody who had one leg shorter than the other. And so I did because I didn't think it was a common thing. And about, I think it was eight or 12 people or something came forward. I went, oh. I thought maybe one or two and we could do a quiet little thing, you know. And they came forward and, and I'd had this chair there. And I said, oh, look, you know, so I sat up on the chair. And the whole time I'm acting in this boldness that God's put in me and my mind is screaming at me. Because this spirit of faith came on me. So I'm acting out of faith because I built my faith around healing. And so the spirit of faith came on me and I'm acting at it. And my mind is telling me, you stupid, what are you doing? And I'm getting these guys, I'm sitting in my chairs and putting their feet up on the chair in front of them. And one leg's, one guy's is about two inches shorter than the other. You can't fake that. And so they're sitting across the platform and I start praying for them. And my mind is screaming at me, going, what are you doing? This can't work. Because in the natural, which is where your mind operates, it can't cope with that. Because you don't believe with your mind, you believe with your heart. And you have a choice when that happens. You can either speak what's in your mind or you can speak what's in your heart. And that's why what you put in doesn't go here, it goes here. You have to prepare here. So taking in that word is changing what's in your heart because see, your heart, before you were saved, didn't have faith. And then it got this measure of faith and you discovered Jesus. And everybody's got faith because you can't be saved without faith. Yeah? So you must have some faith. What you have to do is grow that seed of faith, that measure of faith. And I've discovered that you can grow it in one area and actually not grow it in another area. I grew my faith for healing, but I didn't grow my faith for finances. So then I had to grow my faith in the area of finances. And then another situation comes along and I think, I've got to grow my faith. And it's the same principle. But what I found is that once I'd grown up for healing, it was easy to grow up for financial breakthrough. And then it's easy to grow for other breakthrough. Because it starts to build because the soil of your heart is ready for the seed. You know, I got my back lawn there and, and it was looking a bit sad. And I put, remember putting some, had some seeds, someone gave me, I put it in the lawn, and it didn't grow. And then John, when he was painting the house, he said, oh, look, I've actually got some, this soil with manure through it that's made for lawns. And he dropped it off on my front lawn, and I put it on my back lawn, and I put the seed into that soil. And guess what happened? It grew. Why? Because the soil was ready. And that's what happens as you put in that faith. And you put in that faith, you may not be seeing anything happen, but what you're doing is you're changing the soil of your heart. That the seeds that are going in are starting to get ready and starting to germinate because they're getting healthy soil to grow in. 
And then bit by bit, you start to see manifestation after manifestation. And that's what I did around the area of healing, and it changed healing in my life. And then I'm in the situation with these guys, and they're all sitting there, and I just had to ignore my mind that was screaming at me, and I'm praying for these guys, I'm praying for these guys, and one by one, we physically saw their legs grow. And the guy who grew two inches sort of stood up, and he was actually off balance because he'd got used to walking with one leg shorter than the other. I don't know if it's a back thing. I don't know the medical side of it. I just know that, hey, both feet were the same length by the time we finished. And if I'd listened to my mind, I might have been going, oh, let's hope this works. But you can't do that. You have to listen to the word of God and do what it says. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I could have walked out of losing my job this week and gone... Man, we're in financial trouble now. Man, it's all a big... But you know what? It didn't. My head started to scream at me one point and I just went, shut up. In Jesus' name. And I just started speaking the word of God. And I spoke it the first time and there wasn't much change. I spoke it the second time. And then by the third and fourth time, my mind starts to quieten down. And faith starts to rise up. That's what speaking the word of God does. And it doesn't matter if you have to do it a hundred times in a day. And I've had times where I've had to do that. Where I've had to keep going and get to the end. And I write them out on cards usually if I'm believing for something. I write them out and I get to the end. And I go, okay, and I start again. And I start again. I keep going and going until my mind and my emotions are put aside and I'm walking by faith. And you may have to do it week after week after week after week. Until you get the breakthrough. Because you can't let circumstance dictate what happens in your life. You are the head, not the tail, Deuteronomy says. You are above and not beneath. It says you're above only and not beneath. That means you never get beneath the circumstances. So when they come at you, you have the authority. Jesus said, all authority is mine. And are we not in Christ and him in us? So you have to stop trying to do things from down here and step into the heavenlies and take your authority and you do that by the word of God. So when your mind is screaming at you, two things you do. First of all, shut up. Do not speak what you are thinking. Oh man, I'm in trouble now. I got no money. I got no car, I got no job, I got no partner, I got no house. I'm going to lose it all. It's all going to go. It's not a rational process, especially in this country. But we do that. So don't. Whatever's in your mind, don't speak it. Because it says here, whoever says... And does not doubt where? In his heart. You start speaking what's in your mind, it'll start to go down into your heart. You start talking what you're thinking, you start to put those seeds into your heart. Because, see, you build faith by what you say. Faith comes by hearing. 
not just by reading or seeing, it comes by hearing. It's important to have it before you, because Proverbs says it needs to be before our eyes. But it comes by hearing. You have to speak it out. And you can't pray and speak, God takes care of everything, and the next moment go, what the heck am I going to do? I'm in trouble. You can't do that. Because one will kill the seed of the other. And you go nowhere. We worked out if you go nowhere, that means you're going backwards. Faith comes by hearing. So the first thing you do when you hit a crisis is shut up. Don't say anything. The second thing you do is stop and say, what does God say about this? And if you don't know, then find out before you say anything else. What does God say about this? Get it. Write it out. I used to just use old business cards. I write them on the back of business cards. I just write out, this is what it is. What does God say? I write the verse out. And then I just take that verse and I carry it with me. And if I'm feeling like it's pulling me down, I just pull it out and I start speaking that word. I start speaking that word. So that faith rises up. And the more I do it, you know, when I first started doing it, I felt really silly. And any time I change into a new tact and I'm believing into a new area I haven't believed into before, I feel silly. And I find the devil comes and says, you can't have that, you can't do that. And I have to keep pushing through and pushing through and speaking that word until faith rises up. To a point where I can start going, thank you, God, that I have this. Whether I can see it or not, I thank you, God, I have this. I thank you, God, that you supply all my needs. I thank you, God, that you are my shepherd. I have no wants because you took care of them as well. You see, and let me just talk about things for a minute. Religion in the church has told us that we can't have things. That God doesn't like us having things. That things lead us astray. First of all, it's the love of things that lead us astray. It's the love of money that leads us astray, not money. I mean, money is just, you know, bits of plastic. Yeah? That's all I know. I know it is. It's a bit of plastic. been shopping but you take a bit of money it's just a bit of plastic it actually has no value of its own you can stack them up on the shelf you know i can take this five dollars and put it in my pocket (laughs) i can take this five dollars and and i can leave it there and it's not going to do anything it's just plastic But if I take that $5 down to the shop and pick up a a couple of litres of milk, it has value then. It's just a thing, right? Everything is just a thing. Thank you. Things are not bad or good. They're things. It's the love of things that leads us astray. And people say, I don't want money because it might lead me astray. Well, then sort yourself out so it doesn't. That's like saying, oh, I might be, if I'm healthy, I might go astray. People say, oh, if I'm sick, then I can't mess up. 
I'm sorry, it takes some twisted thinking to get that way. But it works the same with money and things. Things do not lead you astray, the love of things do. And I've worked there, it doesn't matter how much you've got or how much you haven't got. I think I've told you this before, where I worked in banking. It didn't matter whether people came in with massive debts they couldn't pay or whether they came in with large amounts of money in their account or anywhere in between. It was never about how much they had, it's how much they valued what they had and the place it played in their life. And they could be on a pension, they could be hugely in debt, they could be multimillionaires. And in every situation, I saw people in situations who the money did not have them and they just went on with life. And I saw the other cases where they had the money and if you messed them up for one cent, they would have a go at you. Because it was never about what they had, it was about what had them. Now if God was against you having things, then he messed up with Abraham. Right at the start. In fact, he messed up with Adam and Eve because he gave them a pretty good garden. And with Adam and Eve, it says, I mean, with, with Abraham, he blessed him and blessed him so that he was rich. I mean, the guy had a private army that he funded and their families. It says he was wealthy in silver and gold and cattle and camels and so on. Because God blessed him. What did God do with Job? He ensured that he had, the devil had a go at him when God restored him. He ended up with double what he started with because of God's blessing. So if God's against us having things, he was contradicting himself. So we're going to get the religious mindset of, the, of these things out of our life. Because it actually says in Galatians that the blessings of Abraham are ours. You know what the blessing of Abraham is? It's actually not salvation. That's the blessing of Jesus. See, let's not get religious. The blessing of Jesus is salvation. The blessing of Abraham is the breaking of every curse over your life through Jesus. The blessing of Abraham is wealth and riches and an inheritance. Yeah? See, we've got to stop. I mean, you've really got to be twisted to twist the Bible sometimes. I mean, you have to have this theological, hermeneutical, you know, brilliance to twist what God's Word says because it's actually quite simple. But how do we get these things? We get them by faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And you need to hear yourself say it. We, I mean, we hear other people preach and so on. There is something about hearing yourself say it. When you first start hearing yourself speak the Word of God, you won't believe yourself. Because you know those times where you've said things that aren't true. So you have to learn to speak truth always. That when you say you're going to do something, you do it. When you talk about a situation, even if it's to your own, the Bible says that we should speak truth even to our own hurt. In other words, you have to be able to trust completely what you say in every situation so that when you hear yourself speak, 
you can trust what you're saying. Because there's something about you speaking the word of God that just goes right down through, it goes through your inner ear, right down through your whole central being. That doesn't happen when somebody else speaks. Because your inner ear connects to your whole being. That's why Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Not someone else's tongue, your tongue. You know, a lot of people in heaven that shouldn't be there. And then we go, oh, God took them. God didn't take them. They spoke words. And they ended up in heaven because they spoke death over themselves. Kenneth Hagin talks about it. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, Kenneth Hagin is, I mean, he's one of the fathers of faith in modern generations. Well, probably the grandfather now. He's died, but, you know. He's one of the grandfathers of faith. And just to, he wanted to hear some good preaching, hear this guy. But his own mother would say all the time, oh, Kenneth, I've got cancer. And he'd say, Mum, don't say that, don't say that. She'd go, oh, I've got cancer, I've got And she didn't have cancer. She kept speaking it. He said for about two or three years she kept speaking it. Guess what she died of? Cancer. And he said it was powerless. A man who saw amazing healings was powerless to do anything in her life because of the words that she spoke. Because death and life is in the power of your tongue. And that's death and life not just in your physical body, but in your financial situation, your relationships, every area. You have the power of death and life. And you can't pray one thing one minute and say something the next minute. You have to be able to trust what you say and what you pray. So let me give you quick steps, three-minute steps on how to pray effectively. Number one, work out what you're asking for. God, I want a car. What sort of car? So he's going to ask you, because God doesn't care whether you drive a beaten up old bomb or a brand new Rolls Royce. He actually doesn't care. It's not important to him. He will give you what you ask for, because he's a good father. He says, whatever you ask, not whatever he asked. You know that God's not in that sentence? That whole two verses, God is not mentioned. You don't believe me. Never read to you. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and thrown in the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, will have whatever he says. Where was God mentioned? Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Where was God mentioned? Your belief is in him, but the power is in you. Through him. So it's Step number one, be specific. I would like this type of car. Tell them the colour. Secondly, say, God, give me a word for this. Anytime God speaks to you or you're dealing with him, you've got to deal it around the word because that's where the power is. Jesus and his word are one. Say, God, I need a word for this. Can you show me in your word where I can believe for a car? And cars are in the Bible. It says that Moses crossed the desert in the triumph. They made cars as well. They made cars. <laughs> but yes, yeah, a motorbike. See, so cars are in the Bible. Just thought I'd throw that one in there, you know. I think we're talking about tennis in the Bible, you know, because Joseph served in Pharaoh's courts. 
It's all in there, you know. All right. So ask God to give you a specific word around it. All right? Secondly, pray and speak the word. You take that word, you write it out, and you keep reading it, and you read it, and you speak it, and you speak it, until that faith rises up within you. And then when it rises up within you, you know what you do? You thank God using the word. I thank you, God, that your word says. You don't ever depart from the word. Because it's the word that brings faith. Yeah? And you keep speaking it, and you keep thanking him, until you see the manifestation. Third thing is, don't say anything else. Don't say, I wonder when it's coming. I wonder what's happening. What's God doing? Maybe it's not going to happen. Don't speak what comes in here. Okay, I'm on a journey at the moment and I just want to share that today's message really, really needs to sink in. <clears throat> through this journey that I'm going through... Um, I would be um, get up in the morning or I'd be walking somewhere or going somewhere and I'm just shaking my whole body. Or my legs are like this. this. This is what it feels like inside. And I'm saying to myself, you have not given me a spirit of fear but one of power, love and a sound mind. You have not given me a spirit of fear but one of power, love and a sound mind. And just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And slowly the body comes into line with what your heart's saying and what your faith is. And slowly the legs start to walk normally and they start stop, stop shaking and you start to walk normally. And then you start, your mind starts to come into to where your heart is. So just keep pushing and pushing and pushing is all I can say. I just want to share, um, God has brought me to tears twice this week and not in a bad way, in a good way because... Um, you all know about Jonah's mum and we've been praying for Jonah's mum and from the moment we heard, we, we had her, we spoke to her, we gave her the scriptures to speak out and to keep speaking out and speak, keep speaking out. And when I was in prayer at one stage, God actually showed me this picture and showed me a picture of where this tumour was and showed me it actually dissolving and actually disappearing. You know, and so I held on to that and I kept saying that. And when I went over there, I prayed for her. I laid hands on her. I said, this is what God's shown me. God has shown me that this is going to disappear. It is going away. He is doing it. It's not anybody else. He is doing it. You know, man wants to do it with a knife. God doesn't need a knife. And so this week when, um, this week when Jonah sent me the message and she said that the tumour has gone from 5.7 centimetres to 4.5 and I just, I was just overcome with emotion and I was just laying on the bed there and I was just crying for sheer joy because the, the love of God is that great. This is the love that he has for us. This is the love that he has for others out there. And it just totally blew me out of the water that, you know, like you believe and you believe and you believe and you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it and it will come to pass. And he keeps saying to me, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. He is going to do it and he can do it without a knife and he can do it. And that has just raised their whole family's faith, their whole area over there. John and Jonah, you know, are on a higher level now because they can see that it pays off and that God loves them so much. Amen. It works. It's really simple. Know what you're asking for. Get a word. 
Speak the word. Fourth thing is, check your heart. Next part says, when you stand praying, forgive. Unforgiveness will block. There's only two blockers, religion and unforgiveness. And they sort of go hand in hand usually. All right? Forgive. It doesn't matter what somebody did with you, whether it's justified or not. Forgive. Deal with your stuff. Ask God, is there anything in my life that is blocking you working in my life? That gives the devil access to stop this. And then deal with it. And if you have to deal with it again, deal with it again. If you have to deal with it a 50th you know, time, deal with it. Deal with the stuff. All right? Final point is, if God asks you to do something, do it. It says if you're willing and obedient, you eat the best of the land. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. You have to be not just obedient, that's important, you also have to be willing. Check your heart. He may ask you to sow a seed towards what you're believing. Sow the seed. So, first, be clear what you're asking. Secondly, abide in the word. Know what the word says about it and abide in it. Thirdly, only speak the word, nothing else. Zip your lip. Fourth, check your heart. Ask Holy Spirit to examine your heart. Number five, be willing and obedient. And the result, you'll see breakthrough. You're going to hit walls. You're going to have hard times because you're pushing against the devil's territory. Don't let the hard times dictate because they're facts that will change. You have to base your life on truth. Yeah? I think we should have communion together, don't you?